0: Perhaps the most memorable encounter I've had with anyone. Welcome to the Own Your Commerce podcast, where leading experts, brands and innovators reveal strategies for e-commerce growth. I'm your host, Jay Myers, and this show is brought to you by Bold Commerce. Noah, thank you so much for joining me today. I had the pleasure of meeting you two weeks ago, I guess, already. It seems like what, time's, time's going by fast in New York yeah. at, at Meet Magento, which I'm super excited to get into. First of all, tell
1: our listeners who you are. What's your story real real quick? Yeah, thanks for the chat and having me on, Jay. It was great to hang out with you. I was actually I was trying to figure out if there's a way to do a screen share here. I, I pulled this picture of you masterfully balancing a pumpkin across the uh, across the yeah. crowd at the pre-party and I thought like we needed to highlight your your number one skill and your number one talent but uh we'll save that
0: you could have like brought that up before we started recording Noah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i mean it's only it's only you know kudos and props for it it was it was I knew fun. well you know what How, my flat head
0: finally came in good for <laughs> something so
1: I have, yeah i guess so or just, I, I was thinking your level headedness and sense or of that that's right that's right Level-headedness no. is a better way to describe yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, it was great to meet you last week. Um, you know, I'm, um, for listeners, my name is Noah Okenberg. I am a co-founder and I guess the, the fancy title is CEO of Above the Fray. I've led business development efforts there up until March, in which we finally got to bring in Tara Hernandez. So I have now some support in, in biz dev leadership and been a part of the extended Magento e-commerce community for you know, well over a decade now had two other partner agencies where I led business development efforts at those agencies as well. So lots of background in this world. So
0: tell me a little bit about Above the Fray. So I, I, I love the, right on the homepage, it's Above the Fray is an end-to-end e-commerce agency built on highly experienced thinkers and doers with a common thread. We learn from our scars, we roll up our sleeves, and we press on with a sense of adventure leaving the nonsense behind. And I really got that sense when I read around and a lot of the copy. How did this come to be? Did you come from a background or work in other agencies and you saw a need for this or what where did you come to have this kind of worldview and, and create above the fray?
1: Yeah, I mean it I think like most things it's just a product of figuring out the ways that you love to do things and the ways that you might not love to do things as much. You know, I've Aaron, who's our co-founder and our chief creative officer, Aaron Hunt, her and I worked at another agency, I think 12, 13 years ago is when we first met and started working. And so we learned a tremendous amount through the leadership at at the companies that that I've worked at leading up to it. But um, we also, you know, spent some time in the industry and just saw things like, hey, we might do this a little bit differently or just saw some trends back in the day. I feel like there was a lot, when I say back in the day, you know, like a decade ago. I feel like there was, the competition in the e-commerce space was a little bit different amongst SIs and a lot more backbiting and sort of crabs in a barrel stuff going on. And, and this was just my perspective at the time. It wasn't everybody, but there was just some stuff that was really public and really obvious. And, and kind of, I feel like the whole community, whereas there's always friction, which is good, and I, I think tension is a good thing at times, there's a, there's a lot more respect, and a lot more of a rising tide approach that's sort of developed over the years i think people if anything have settled in and been like we're we're all in this for the long haul so let's all at least get along through it but it wasn't something that you can't just say hey i would like to do this a different way and then magically it happens in fact the opposite usually i've found that running you know from the vantage of running a company i'm kind of like oh now i get it now i see you know why this happens this way or why this happens that way but to name your company something that's sort of like a, a constant reminder, it's better than a post-it note on your mirror, you know, or self-affirmations when you wake up or whatever, because it's there every time you're talking about your company. And so that was one of the reasons that Aaron and I really wanted to name it something that, that pushed us to be actively working to make ourselves better and to, you know, think of different yeah. ways to approach things.
0: I love it. So what exactly do you do at Above the Fray? Like what, what makes Above the Fray unique compared to other agencies?
1: Yeah. And I think it's not, it's not like some like, you know, glorious, like, well, we all wore pink, you know, at the event, you know, it's not that kind of like. <laughs> and you looked good in that <laughs> yeah.
0: pink. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, I mean, it was, it was fun, but you know, that's it, Everybody tries to like try so hard to be different. I yeah. think the, the differentiation is just in the relentless focus on making things better. And it doesn't have to be exponentially better every time it just incrementally better. You know, I I think that, you know, and this is across all facets from people, process, tools, the folks that we work with, our partners, our vendors, our, you know, the merchants, our clients, manufacturers that are our clients, you know, everything that we do, the concept came from actually camping and, you know, the whole pack out more than you pack in concept when you go out to the woods. It's like, it's not enough to just bring your own garbage and your own junk out of there, like, find some other stuff that was left and bring it. As it's like you don't have to clean up the whole forest, but, you know, just pick up a couple of cigarette butts or a couple beer cans that were left there, whatever it is. And so that's kind of the, the mindset. And again, it's an ongoing activity. It's not a quality. It's not like an inherent quality. Anybody can say they have that. So I, I don't know. That's that's one of the areas. The other thing, you know, the end to end piece of it, we don't want to be everything to everybody, but we do for the folks that sort of we, we work with. We want to be able to provide a suite of services that's fairly comprehensive. So, you know, everything from doing the strategy and consulting and technical architecture and roadmapping to the, you know, obviously design, having, you know, my co-founder, business partner being a preeminent digital designer to the implementation. We are platform agnostic. And of course, the integration piece of it, because we work with a lot of manufacturing and then all of that to sort of go into the evolution piece of it, where we can bring in Digital marketing, SEO, you know, pay per click, email marketing, roll out new storefronts, new, bringing in new value driving solutions like Bold to our client base, you know, on an ongoing basis.
0: Yeah. What's an ideal brand? Like everyone has their, you know, your ideal customer profile. Like, what's a what type of clients do you work with?
1: Yeah, we definitely skew towards manufacturing and B two B manufacturing hmm, interesting. Folks. and you know. A lot of those and and the exciting part is is when those folks are embracing transactional, like online transactional commerce for the first time, Um, even some larger companies. I mean, you got folks out there that are doing 20, 50, 100 million a year, but haven't done a penny through online and, you know, for good reason, or folks that have been embraced the B2B sort of e-commerce portion of it and are looking to sort of go into direct to consumer, you know, create their own D2C stuff for the first time or, or expand on on some sort of first forays into it so definitely established brands but sometimes folks that maybe aren't as new to e-commerce
0: yeah yeah makes sense and it's surprising in the b2b space how many are st- like you know in in the direct to consumer world it's very modern but b2b there are people still faxing in in orders like it's a yep. it's a different world so yeah. i get it what's your favorite Case study of a client. Like if someone said, What's the best work you've you've ever done or the story you love to tell the most?
1: Oh, geez. I mean, that could kind of vary depending on what my the version of best is. I have (laughs) like some really incredible stories that, you know, maybe aren't as impressive like on paper, but but were really fantastic internally. One, I mean, that comes to mind is is one that that actually our head of engineering, Thayer Lucian, did a sort of a fireside chat with a client stakeholder at Meet Magento a couple of weeks ago. Gear Up Sports, they are a youth sports sort of jersey uniform company and, um, you know, well-funded. well, well funded. They've been around for a while. They had a big initiative to sort of expand what they were doing. where They were working with like, you know, a few hundred, maybe a thousand different teams where you have like a, a team manager, which is usually a volunteer parent or somebody like that. It's like, you know, I don't know if you have, you, have you ever... Coached uh, one of your kids' sports or something like that. Yeah. So you I've,
0: know, I've been the sucker that said, yes, I would do it. Uh, so, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
1: it's volunteer. You know, there's no thanks. Yeah. There's no love. I mean, there's, there's the love of the, the kids and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's the parents and, and everybody else is always wants things their own way. And, and the all Jersey's, the other
0: kids, all the other kids except your own listen to you. And,
1: right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's par for the course regardless. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Sorry, back to the story. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, so, and, and a big part of it too is is getting, you know, the the jerseys ordered, the, you know, the hats, the pants, the uniforms, all of that. And then also swag for parents and, and relatives, grandparents, aunts mm. that want to get the school like hoodie or something like that, or the team hoodie um, or hats. And so Gear Up Sports provided a, a service basically where you provide the, the logo, the color schemes, and, and the, the whatever the sizes and things like that you want. And they'll set up a store front for your team. So that all the parents can go and, and just buy from that. But their previous process, they had they had to kind of manually create these things. It took them like I think about four, you know, two to four weeks for the sales reps to actually put together those jerseys, you know, all the different stuff on it, like hand design it with you know, like programs and and yeah, we, yeah. we built it on Adobe commerce. We built a headless pro- garment configurator where, you know, the, you can actually design the, the apparel with the logos, with the numbers, with the colors, choose which apparel you want. And then it creates a bill of materials. It's all three way integrated with the, the dynamics 365. So, uh, to keep inventory up to date, and then you can roll out these storefronts like up to 50 a day. So, cause they have designs to take over the world with this. And, uh, you know, they need to be able to do it quickly.
0: That is super cool. I wasn't at that, at that talk. So like, is this, this is an automated thing that a team can create their, their, like they pick which shirts they want to offer jackets, hats, whatever logo. And then it's like, is it completely automated or is there still someone at gear up that has to provision that store, turn it on, or is it like a completely automated?
1: So right now, as far as the, we launched this just recently and the sales rep at GearUp Sports is still the one that's actually like configuring the garments. We haven't done it yet so that the end users, like the, the parents or, or the team volunteers or whatever, you know, will go in there and, and actually use the product configurator. And that's yeah. mainly because there's still some components of it that, you know, they don't want that. I mean, the, it takes a little bit of know-how to make sure it's set up correctly. But they just submit the form, you know, they upload all their, their stuff. And then that's all they have to do. They just click it. And then the sales reps can spin the store up same day versus it used to take two to four weeks to do something like that.
0: Super cool. So, yeah. So, and, and that's on Adobe commerce and you, you help them with that whole project from start to finish.
1: I did. Yeah. Yeah. They're based out of Hillsboro, Oregon. They do a lot of work with Nike. Um, Nike is one of their premier brands that they use Carhartt um, and Nike are two of the brands that they, they use, you know, that's kind of the whole Portland Nike type connection that,
0: Yeah, Uh, that's got to be, Nike's got to be probably one of the, well, I'm sure there's lots of good things that have come out of Oregon, but yeah, like a lot, one of the more well-known brands to come out of that state, I would imagine. Yeah,
1: it's great. I personally know probably, I would say at least, I don't know, three to five different agency owners here that have got their start because they had a a great contract with Nike and they're able to build a business. Nike does a great job of sort of involving the community and businesses in the community. A lot of businesses like to sort of try to bring stuff in-house. And they sure, they have their in-house teams. In fact, I got past coworkers and colleagues that are, that are working there now. But they also do a really great job of engaging vendors and, and agencies to help do different projects, which is very helpful. I, I would say, you know, they're, if you look back to the widening and Kennedy, you know, the ad agency days, that was a big reason that Portland's creative scene really kind of got put on the map. Was because of a lot of what? Why didn't Kennedy just blew that wide open? There was earlier folks like Will Vinton Studios and things like that. I could nerd out down that rabbit hole some yeah. other time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, let's. Well, I, w- I actually want to talk about the event that just just happened. Meet Magento. But first, can you tell me a little bit about the Magento community? Like, what what do you see as what's special about it?
1: Um, resiliency and dedication, you know, it's like another sort of Oregon reference, Goonies never say die. It's out from Astoria. Astoria, Oregon here is where it was filmed and it's a huge population, but you know, it's kind of that, that mentality. It's a community that's seen a lot from back, you know, Roy Rubin and Yove and all the people that first kicked things off. I got them bored. I got into the community just a couple, like a year or two or two or three years after that, got a chance to meet both of them and some of the other sort of founders of the community. But, you know, its core underpinnings has always been that dichotomy of like this licensed corporate, you know, version that you pay for and an open source version that you don't have to. And that has been a really unique sort of friction point that's been inherent, just built into it. And it's, it has provided what I think is the uniqueness and a lot of the grit of the community, because, you know, when you have something that doesn't have friction, oftentimes it it doesn't have uh, room for growth you know it's you know you just kind of are doing the same things with the same type of mentality and the same folks which can be really good in some cases but you know like you know at other times there's there's not that sort of that entity that's keeping you on your feet that's that's constantly pushing back or you know the push and pull and so that's been there from the beginning and then you know on the corporate side it's changed hands through you know acquisitions and private equity and then back to being privately held and then You know, and then finally having a large global force like Adobe bringing it on board. And then, you know, the ensuing sort of conversations around, well, what's going to happen to Magento open source? Is Adobe going to support it, you know, or is it going to go by the wayside? You know, not to jump too far ahead, but one of the things that really just made me feel like it was all worth it were some of the moments that came out of Meet Magento where, you know, reaffirmations of, commitments that were by by Adobe and by people in the open source community to kind of come together and understand that, you know, sure, there's some inherent like friction there, but there's also a lot of support and that they can really build from each other and, and working together is going to go a lot further.
0: Well, and so can you clarify that for a listener? So Adobe Commerce is the cloud layer built on top of Magento. Magento is open source. Adobe is the cloud layer. But is it Ultimately, as Magento evolves and that's merged into Adobe Commerce, Magento could potentially make Adobe Commerce a better platform, correct?
1: Yes. So Adobe Commerce is Magento. They just rebranded right. it, it, renamed it. It used to be called, you know, Magento Enterprise, you know, and it was like Magento. Sorry, when I'm I'm
0: talking about Magento 2 open source yeah. version when I say Magento.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Essentially, Adobe Commerce rebranded it. And then the Magento piece of it is really, it's the same back end. And, you know, for all the, the technical folks out there, I've developed a lot of business. I stopped developing code back in college. So forgive me if, you know, I, I, I say something that's not entirely accurate down to the, the bits and bytes. But, you know, from a from business perspective, you know, it's the same code base, Adobe Commerce yeah. and Magento open source. Adobe Commerce provides additional features, functionality, support. Um, it does have that cloud infrastructure as well. And so, but improvements to Magento open source absolutely contribute to the Adobe Commerce piece of it. It's also, as far as I know, it's still the, the largest lead source for Adobe Commerce. So if you will, it might be the candy cigarettes, right? So, you know, people people get in on, on Magento open source and then they, they reach a ceiling where the, you know, it's like, okay, it costs more to customize the Magento open source than it would be to just get all that stuff out of box with Adobe Commerce. And so, you know, then they they migrate to that. And it's really a pretty, relatively easy migration. It's not like a platform migration to go from Magento open source to Adobe Commerce. Right. It's more of a, an update.
0: Yeah, makes sense. So tell me about Meet Magento. What is it?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's funny because there's so many different impressions of what it is. And, you know, I mean, some people just thought it was like a meetup. Because there are like Magento meetups. Some people thought it's put on by Adobe. Some people thought that it wasn't very inclusive of vegetarians. Um, <laughs> but the, um, we did have great vegetarian dishes, by the way, at the Meet Magento New York event. But it's essentially, it's, it's, it's a series of global events that are sanctioned by the Magento Association. They're not run by the Magento Association. It takes an independent body, organization, business, person, group, to actually put it on and run it, produce it and run it. But the Magento Association has to sign off on it. And the Magento Association is independent. It is not a part of Adobe Commerce. It is representative for the open source community and advocates for that open source community, but also is involved with Adobe Commerce. And Adobe has an intrinsic need to to support that. And so I think they have a couple members or one, one member on the board of Magento Association. So the Meet Magento events go on. New York, Florida just started last year. It's the, another one in North America, which is, was really fun. You know, Vietnam, uh, Indonesia, India, UK, Netherlands is coming up. Singapore just happened. So I think there's over 20 of them.
0: Does the Magento Association have any funding or any resources, or is it just, just that it's sanctioned and promoted by the association?
1: Towards the event
0: itself? Yes, towards the event,
1: yeah. They, resources as in, you know, they do some visibility and promotion and, but no, it's, it's self-funded. The event is entirely, the events are entirely self-funded. Okay. And
0: you were, so this recent one was above the fray, essentially is the, was the main funder of it, right? And along with sponsors.
1: Yeah. I mean, all sponsors, really. The ticket sales really are a small portion of the total cost. It's a community event that's supported by sponsors like Bolt and several others. Above the fray, yes, we were the executive producers of the event. we It was our first year doing it, but we had the cheat codes. We had a distinct advantage. Marsha Naidu, who has put this event on for the past half decade. So Meet Magento, New York has gone on for uh, next year will actually be the ten year anniversary. So this is the ninth year. I'm including a couple of virtual years with Covid when the world was you know chilling out for a little bit in their houses. But Marsha's put it on for the last half decade. And she hit me up in the beginning of this year and asked. You know, we knew each other through some committees that we sit on on the Magento Association and some work we had done together in the past. And she kind of knew that my my outlook and my approach to this industry was was well aligned with this type of event. Meaning, if you're getting into it to make a bunch of money, it's a break-even type event. If you're getting into it to, you know, for any other reason other than really a desire to to serve and to be an integral part of the community, then it's not gonna work. So she hit me up and she brought all of that experience on board. And then our team sort of supported that.
0: It's an interesting I've been to a lot of events. This was my first time actually at Meet Magento. And one of the things I observed was how engaged everyone was there. Like I've been to NRF, Shop Talk, all kinds of ETails, IRC, now it's Retail you name it, every single one. And you know, you even at like Shop Talk sometimes where there's 30,000 or 40,000 people there and we've had booths there some years some years we don't. People kind of like walk around with a little bit of um closed closed in. They're walking by, they don't want to talk to you unless they 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 think that everyone is there to sell you on something and like we've had booths where it's like people will stand far away and kind of read your <laughs> sign but they don't want to come up and talk cuz they're yeah. it's it's awkward. But there wasn't how many people were at Meet Magento? Maybe, like, is it around 500 or 600?
1: Yeah, we hit our target of 500.
0: 500? And I would say, like, so, and we had a booth there, that we had more engaged people coming up to the booth than we've had at events that have 10 times the amount of people. It, it was a very, the crowd was very engaged and very wanting to, wanting to talk. And it's a very different vibe than a lot of conferences I've, I've been at. I think it's special. Like, it doesn't, You don't see that in a lot of other spaces. Would you agree, like that, from what you see?
1: I mean, not only do I agree, but that's just that's heartwarming to hear because that's sort of what that was the result. That's what we were looking to get out of it, and that has been its sort of uh, mo since its onset. And I think that comes from you know a number of places, but one of them being is just getting people involved. When you got skin in the game, one shape or form, you feel a lot more part of it rather than just being there as sort of an attendee or mercenary or you know, like you said, there are. You know, you go to some of these other larger conferences, and, and no knock on them at all. It's just a different type of thing. You know, that's potentially put on by a corporation that just does conferences. And exactly. And so you know, versus yeah, you don't even that, know you don't even know who's putting it on. It's just yeah yeah. You know, versus like people that are putting their own blood, sweat, and tears into it. Yeah, I won't say there was. I don't think there was any blood. It might have been a few tears. <laughs> Definitely a lot of sweat. And then you have, you have 60 different speakers on three talk tracks over two days. You know, you have awards and then you have like over a hundred more speakers that applied that, you know, were fantastic, but they didn't get selected because the selection committee, you know, we just went on a ranking, but like, it really was hard because I'm looking at some of this. I, got, I didn't get to vote on this or rank them, but I got to see in and out. There was some really, really fantastic talks that didn't get to get up on stage. And then, you know, you have the awards where there's, tens and tens of, you know, or even upwards of 100 nominees of these different merchants and SIs and, and, and partners that put these on. Then you have all the sponsors that it's, you know, sponsoring this event is, it's a little bit different than just like cashing a check. That's obviously a huge part of it. And it's, it can't happen without that. But you know, one of the things we talk to all our sponsors about is how can you help us promote this? We're not using your sponsor dollars to like do massive ad buys, you know, we really want this organic sort of engagement. So, you know, getting this out to your network, posting even individuals at your company, posting that you're going to be speaking there and why it matters to you. And and we just saw so much of that leading up to the event. Yeah. And it's kind of like, that's, you reap what you sow. And And that's yeah. really, I think, that's why it's music to my ears to hear what your feedback on that.
0: How do you think it went overall? Are you happy with the event?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it was... By all measures of success, I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic person. You can ask, ask folks on my team. They're like, no, just, you should always have your rose-colored glasses on. And like people are like, as a CEO, you need to be a little bit more pessimistic about the world and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I got other people for that. But even my like usual optimism, it actually exceeded that. Were there things that were really messy behind the scenes? Absolutely. Were there things that we can do better and make it better for the next go-around? Absolutely. But you know the ultimate goal of, of what I think that Aaron and myself, and you know I know Marsha, the vision that she brought forward, that we all had going into it, is what we achieved coming out of it, which is kind of what you mentioned, the true engagement, not sort of that sort of laissez faire. Let's walk through this this the showroom floor and let's hurry up and wait for happy hour. You know we all just came to drink and you know like this is just the same old thing, versus people like really excited and. Having great content, having great conversations in the hallway, having follow ups, and then, of course, having good drinks and, and celebrating afterwards, <laughs> yeah. too. And by the way, people from like almost 30 different countries. That part was yeah. incredible.
0: Yeah, I was blown away. A lot of people I talked to were not from the US at all. They were all over the world. That's the Magento community, though, right? Like the it is very much like European and, and worldwide. So that's probably reflective of the community in general
1: hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, and that's a big part of it. You know, it was a lot of the engineers that were the original core group of folks that built it were from Ukraine. You know, like in the Netherlands, there's just really solid, solid growing presence. And I don't know if that's because of the orange and the orange or something like that, but uh, (laughs) definitely some, some friendly color
0: alignment there. So what were some big, big takeaways? Like, you know, sometimes after shows, people say, yeah, what, what trends were people talking about? What themes was there any any large themes or trends and takeaways that you heard amongst the chatter?
1: So you know, seeing some things, and I've I really you know just kind of come up for air myself like almost two weeks later. in fact, I'm going to do my like, my LinkedIn appreciation post. you know it's been, I talked to Jamie Huskisson who, who puts on Meet Magenta UK, and actually we, we had an interview where I asked him, what should I expect like what's a recovery?" For something like this, mm. and he's like, "Well, ours was one day, and it was like, you know, two to four days or four to five days. So give yourself a couple weeks or something like that." So it's like, all right. But from what I've seen and, and the conversations I've been able to have, or seen on social media, or just sort of word of mouth, the theme of the year was community forward. And you know, I think Marcia even said it best in her was it her opening or closing? Her opening. You know, it's not just a slogan; it really mm. was sort of a movement and a concept where you know all of the uncertainty of like what's gonna to happen to Magento. You have, you know, Magento Association and you have Mage OS and you have Adobe Commerce and you have all these different groups that, you know, are are smack dab in the heart of this, but sometimes weren't fully seeing eye to eye or aligned. And I'm not saying it's like peace, love, and hair grease and just full kumbaya, but there was some really big inroads that were made towards seeing through other people's eyes, walking in their shoes. And understanding, you know, we really all do have, for the most part, a common goal. And I I saw a lot of that energy and those collaborations and those sort of like hatchets buried and olive branches being passed happening during the event. And even after the event, there was some really incredible stuff that I saw with that. And a lot of people stayed in town for a while and had a really good time, too. So that was
0: cool. Yeah, yeah. So you personally, why are you so passionate about Magento?
1: Well, there's a number of reasons. I think I've always appreciated. I'm always like, I wouldn't say somebody who sits on the fence because that would that would be inaccurate. But I, I definitely appreciate sometimes the best of both worlds. I love living in the city. I also got my heart in the country. You know, I, I love working in high tech and digital. I also love salt of the earth, rock crushers and, you know, bulldozers and heavy equipment stuff. And so, <laughs> you know, like there's always sort of like this, this sort of yin and yang in, in, in life. And I appreciate that aspect of this sort of thriving open source community of people that truly believe in, you know, code should be for the people. It shouldn't be locked down and, and, and under a license. And then also I appreciate the business side of it. I appreciate the corporate side and what corporations and, and businesses like Adobe can do to really drive innovation and engagement. So I think Magento has always provided that. E-commerce in general, you know, when when I wanted to start a business. In the technology industry and software and web design and development, it's a beautiful thing because you can be a part of helping other people make more money and grow their business. You know, it's not just like, hey, I'm I'm selling you something that, you know, you use for X, Y, and Z, which is great, but you actually can like have very tangible results too. It's not just yeah. kind of like, you know, putting up a billboard, you know, over and saying, hey, I'm pretty sure more people came to your store because of that billboard and the billboard marketing is great too, but when you do e-commerce, you can like touch it and feel it and see it. You know, the data's right there. You know, I mean, probably no nobody knows as much as, as you being at bold and seeing the results, you know, doing the, the A B testing and calibration of checkout and things like that. It's rewarding to get that. It's and it's not about cashing the paychecks, you know, that's great. That's a beautiful side effect. You know, I love that I'm able to keep a roof over my head doing this and, and grow a team, but it's it's really about that that end result and seeing. How uh, it could be transformational. And then working in B2B and, and B2B to C, we are platform agnostic, but Magento over the years and currently still really does you know kick ass for B2B manufacturing, especially you know, when you're at a certain mm-hmm. threshold.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some things that just like wouldn't be possible anywhere else. Why do you think brands, and I guess you I mean you can frame this around B2B, but what is it that you consistently see that brands love about Magento? Any unique characteristics? Obviously, like, well, I won't speak for you, but what what, <laughs> what, what, do you see as, like... Yeah, no, what do you, I do you mean, like, yeah, what, is, what was on your top well, of Well, I mean, mind? Like, like, flexibility and control, and you think about, like, some of these, one of the talks at Meet Magento was about Volkswagen and, and how they rolled out. It was with the team from Hoover, and I can't remember who else, but...
1: Oh yeah, that
0: was great. Yeah, just like I remember sitting there because, you know, they have dealers all over the world. Each dealer needs a website, it needs to tie into the inventory of the main one. Anyways, I just remember sitting there thinking like it'd be very hard to do that on any other platform. It might be possible with some some workarounds and some weird ways, but like Magento was like built for that. Like it's a perfect, perfect use case. And so what are some reasons why you think brands love Magento or choose Magento.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we, have, we can see that firsthand. We've been a part of, you know, migrating folks from one platform to the other in all different directions. And it's about finding the platform that's the right fit for the business needs at the time and, and hopefully the foreseeable future. But on that note, there are other platforms that we, we really enjoy quite a bit that have a, a ceiling that, you know, it's like, okay, we just, we can't do what we need to do on this platform. Some it's you know it can be the blessing and the curse with some of like the full SaaS platforms that are out there. It's like it's really great you can spin it out a lot quicker, a lot easier, but you can't get deep into like the checkout and other areas like that to be able to really do what you need. For instance, we had like a a gifting company that you know had a one to many need, and you know they were on a SaaS platform that they just couldn't you know they couldn't chop it up in, in the ways that they needed to really effectively. And so, you know, we we had to, you know, look at other options and Magento being one, a great one for that. And, you know, it's, but it's not for everybody, but for the folks that it, it is for, which I still think is like one of the top three market shares globally, as far as install base, you know, then it's, it's, it's the only one that, that really makes sense. And so I think that that flexibility, the ability to, to get under the hood and do what you need to do to customize it and to, it plays nice with others you know, to be able to integrate with other business systems and it also being one of the, the largest e-commerce platforms the most widely used e-commerce platforms on the planet. There's also this huge network of people that are building extensions, customizations and integrations and out-of-box stuff that, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel for. So that part is is nice. And it's got the staying power too. I mean, that's a big thing to consider. We've looked at other platforms to provide or to offer that are newer, and you know, we're are here and gone, or or just never really took off. And there's a lot to be said for just knowing you're going to be on a platform. No platform's perfect, but at least it's around. You know, I know that's a low bar, but that's there's other bars that are set as well. And for the staying power of something that's been around for you know well over a decade now in tech years, you know, that's like dog years. That's you know damn near a century. That's a big deal.
0: Yeah. Well, another one actually that I just thought of while you were. Speaking was that, that comes up sometimes is that for certain industries, ownership of customer data is critical. And they, like, if you have anything with patients, if you know, any type of patient data, for example, you can't be on SaaS platforms. There's certain regulations, or they can't be in if you're in certain countries, you have to own the data there. That might be an advantage as well. If you had to sum it all up, like, if someone, like, as to like the single Advantage of Magento, the single biggest selling point. What would what would you sum it up as?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll answer that real quick. But it's just an interesting anecdote on the data piece of it. We like to work with manufacturers and producers, so oftentimes that's like you know food production. But also we've been working in the cannabis space recently, mm. which obviously has a lot of challenges. You can't be on certain SaaS platforms at all. Yeah. But then there's there's industry, but you know it's it's a growing market, pun intended. But obviously, there's a lot of regulations that, you know, are, are hampering it from really getting it to its full potential, which, you know, we're seeing the, the evolution of those regulations uh, you know, in front of our eyes. But there's a lot of these SaaS platforms that are specifically for that industry that do own all the data. And so some of these dispensaries and these multi-state operators, they don't want to get on these sort of SaaS market, cannabis marketplaces because they won't own all their data And one day. If, if that particular SaaS platform just wants to cut them out completely and just sell direct, then they're SOL. So we've actually Magento using Magento sort of as a headless CMS even and then some cannabis specific carts that we can plug into it have been able to create solutions where they do own their own data. And so you know they they can control it and they control who it goes to. They own their customers and, and nobody else does. So that was just an interesting anecdote that I thought that's that was just recent and, and relevant to owning it. If there was one thing, you know, I think the fact that the range that it can work within, that there's platforms that are sort of really mostly SMB going into the mid-market, and then there's some platforms that are really solely like enterprise. It just, you know, they they don't, it's just going to, the investment to build it and maintain it is not going to be there unless you're doing enterprise level sales and, and business But Magento, while it has gone up market a bit since, uh, you know, really, especially since Adobe's acquisition, when they've been making it more of their sort of suite of services on the experience cloud, like you mentioned earlier. So that has pulled it up market a bit. It still has, in my opinion, one of the widest ranges where you can go from sort of like that maybe top tier of SMB, low, low, mid-market, you know, all the way through to handling pretty complex enterprise needs. I think that part, and that encapsulates a lot of different things of why, but I think that's a nice part of it. If you're a business that's doing 20 million to, to 50 million online, or even 20 to 25, and you want to grow to 100, 200, half a billion, and don't want to have to change platforms potentially, then you know there's a pathway to do that on Magento. Whereas you can't say that really about a lot of other platforms, if any.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it would be a rare scenario where you feel like you outgrow Magento.
1: It's true. Yeah. And there there will be some, but you know, those are like I said, those are more the exceptions and it really does have a long a longevity to it.
0: Yeah. What's your favorite Magento shop? Favorite Magento shop of all time? Uh well, yeah, sure, of all time. <laughs> no, uh, last week. I'm just kidding. No.
1: Last week. Yeah, <laughs> no, all time. <laughs> Geez, I don't know. There's been some really cool stuff over the years. If someone just said like what's a great what's a
0: great example of a of a shop on Magento?
1: I remember a really old one. I don't know if it's still on it, so I don't know if I should use this as an example, but here in Portland, Powell's Books, which is like a famous bookstore, it's huge. It's like it's basically like this, it's a tourist attraction. And they had it, they had a pretty cool Magento site that was built out. With all of their inventory of just like millions of books and stuff like that, so I remember that one from back in the day. like I said, I'm not sure where they're at currently or anything.
0: yeah yeah, but, but I do remember <laughs> that one <being> <laughs> Well, hopefully they reason. are I'll, if they are, I'll put them in the show notes. so
1: Right, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. I know we had a little bit of involvement with that project at a past organ- at a past company that Aaron and I were at, but um, yeah, I just I, I remember that one just because it's a, kind of a Portland icon, and it was also just like one of the largest. Skew volumes I think I've ever tried to ever been a part of trying to approach and Magento was able to handle it so
0: yeah I want to ask you a question uh, maybe selfishly just kind of wearing my, my bold hat for a little yeah, bit yeah please how do you see solutions like bold it doesn't have to be bold specifically but we are well we have a, a hosted and a non-hosted but a hosted checkout that Magento brands can plug in or they can host themselves but solutions like that how do you See that, and what the value do you see that in that for Magento merchants?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, generally speaking, and then I'll talk specifically though about Bold. That is part of the advantage, like I said earlier, plays nice with others on Magento. And you know, you mentioned huva I mean, the ability to have you know sort of third parties to the platform come in and create like innovations that ultimately just help the end users of the platform and 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 the, you know the people that are buying on it or engaging with it. That aligns so well with you know this the whole community forward aspect. it opens it up so it's not just like one platform being responsible for all the innovation it's It's allowing folks like Bold, like Hoover, like a lot of other folks to do these things that are going to drive a lot of value towards the, the end users of the platform. and you know Magento provides it's not the only platform that does that, but they've really led the charge with that over the years. and you know bold specifically you know, we, as you know, we just started engaging really through this Magento process. You know, we're going through some of those discussions now, but I mean, I've even was talking with, with our head of engineering earlier and our, and our sales leader, um about bold. I'm actually right before you and I got on here and there's a lot of excitement of even just laying eyes on it for the first time or, or kind of deeper dive into it. Our job is to, it's not to design or to build websites or e-commerce, even though it looks like that's what our job is. It's it's to be that solutions integrator and, and sort of solutions consultant for the merchants and manufacturers that we work with. And if we don't have thing, solutions like Bold to bring to the table, when we're doing our annual business reviews, our quarterly business reviews, when we're doing our initial discoveries with the client, where we're architecting the, the MVP, if we don't have solutions that make us look really smart and, and, and like, hey, look, we can make you more money and make you more efficient, then we don't have anything to do. I mean, you know, or, or it'll run out pretty soon. So specifically focusing in on the checkout, I think everybody should know by now that that's like the most important conversion point, you know, on a website, you know, on an e-commerce website, I should say. And, you know, all the data of having the checkout be appropriate for the user and removing all the barriers just getting them intuitively where they need to be just so it's you know they don't have a cart full of stuff that somehow they abandoned for one reason or another or the there's don't have enough in their cart i mean this is it's it's the moment of truth right it is literally what everything we talk about the community has been building towards that moment where you say accept this purchase right like that is well i guess maybe the moment of truth is when it actually arrives and whatever but you know That is it. That is that conversion point. And so focusing in 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 a new and innovative way on how to make that more individualized for people. We've done that in so many of these other areas, but the checkout was sort of a uncharted frontier for it. And yet it was the most important conversion point of the whole site. So it's really exciting to have a solution like Bold to be able to to provide. That's awesome to hear. I always
0: find it interesting that it's not weird to optimize other Portions of the journey, like you know, you A B test your product pages, your homepage, everything else. But then we just throw them into the same exact checkout for every single shopper, no matter if they're buying a $20 item or a $10,000 item, or if they're no matter what device they're on, or you know, right. where they're coming, who they are are they a logged in member or a first time customer or repeat? They've bought a hundred times from you before, or they've never visited you before, they get the exact same checkout right and so yeah like intuitively it makes sense but i think the checkout has been i won't say hard to manage but maybe risky like it's one of those things that i think a lot of people like don't want to touch it because it's their security and you got to be pci compliant and you're dealing with credit card information and and just there's a lot of things that are happening in the checkout that has made it tough to it's not a product page that you can just use a a B testing app and then play around with, like it's the checkout, right? So maybe that's a big part of it. So
1: yeah. you got to be bold to, to take that on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Ah, there you go. See, we got to get you on our branding team. Man, where did the time go? I feel like we're, we're almost up to an hour here. So I, I had a, a few more questions, but I mean, I, I'll. I got time. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> well, one of the ones I wanted to ask you was are you seeing being in the Magento space for a while changes to. The types of brands that you're seeing using Magento, is that evolving? Are you seeing, is it like you mentioned B2B a few times already in this, are you seeing any changes in the types of brands that choose Magento?
1: I would say one of the biggest changes that I have seen is, is what I alluded to earlier is, is going up market a bit. Again, sort of the, the blessing and the curse of Magento, Of, of everything has its you know, yin and yang, right? And I think it is more customizable. It does take more time and dollars to do that. For some folks it's just that is you couldn't do it any other way and you have to do it, but you know for businesses that are doing under a certain amount of revenue and maybe they aren't doing especially like B2B businesses or maybe on the SMB side of things that really aren't doing any transactional stuff online or exploring it for the first time, it may not be the best place to do it. Now Magento open source might be different and especially depending on the team that you have and you know how efficient you can be, and and things like, Kuva, which are making things a lot more efficient to roll out. You know, are, are helping to change that game a bit. But I would say the biggest change that I've seen is like we. That's part of the reason why you know we work with other platforms as well, is because there's different demographics and different sort of tiers, as far as you know, revenue and and needs and requirements, and and really on that e-commerce evolution scale, that you know, you have to be a little bit further down that scale to to probably hop onto something like Magento, you know, and then especially if you're adding like a license cost, you know, with Adobe Commerce, um, that's definitely a little bit more upmarket. But, you know, so I, I, yeah, I think that would be the biggest, the biggest change. And again, you know, the, the other solutions may not work for folks that are in that stage that need it. And I think, you know, that's always the struggle I don't want to, I won't say the struggle, maybe just a challenge for us to be able to kind of showcase why that investment makes sense for folks. You know, it does take a bit more when it's time to upgrade a new version. You know, if you have a SaaS platform that's out of box, you can't do a whole lot of customizations with it. But then again, when it's time for a new version upgrade, there's not a lot of customizations that you have to manually upgrade as well. So again, blessing and curse of those type of platforms. Yeah.
0: If you fit in the box, it's great.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Well, Noah, this has been such a fun conversation. I don't think I said this already in the call, but thank you for that event uh, two weeks ago. It was amazing. We'll definitely be back. Are you, would, you, would you host it again?
1: Yeah, we're doing all of the uh, reconciliation right now of it. We're learning from all the things that you know we can make it better. This was, you know, this was the first time that Above the Freight took it on. Marcia's yeah. been doing it for a while. We're learning about ways to do it that, I mean, just on a personal level, the two owners you know working you know, double time to make sure it happened, you know that's great and we're totally willing and we love it but I don't think it's the most efficient way to approach it in the future so we're learning right. we're kind of figuring out how to staff and structure it for next go around and and in in October it will be the 10 year anniversary so uh, expect some fun fanfare and community events and things like that And that would that be the soon.
0: one in New York again that you'd be hosting the the 10 year Oh man pressure is on
1: <laughs> Yeah Oh yeah no that's, that's that's the kind of pressure that you know it's it's not that's the fun kind of pressure right But yeah so I think based on the community support and feedback and everything that we got and and thank you to you and to bold because i know that you guys stepped up you sponsored you supported and and again i said this earlier but you know this is not something if you notice i mean there's there's like an e-commerce summit going on in austin in a couple days here and and it's like two thousand dollars to attend for like a a one-day event which is great more power i'm not i'm not i'm not knocking the hustle you know don't hate the player but by the same token it's like we that's not Meet Magento. Our tickets were two hundred to five hundred bucks, you know, in New York, and that's the way we wanted to keep it. But we can't do that without Bold and other folks, you know, helping with that. So, well, uh, we, we were very,
0: very happy and honored to be a part of it. It was a great event. We'll, we'll definitely be back. Beautiful again. So, where can people learn more about you above the fray? What social platforms are you active on? Before we end here, where do you want to send
1: people? Yeah, it's funny. marsha has been like trying to like like bring the rest of our team up into like the 21st century to get on Twitter or X. We're a pretty LinkedIn heavy company. Uh, with a lot of folks that are on LinkedIn, we like to elevate, you know, voices of everybody on our team that wants to contribute. So following us on LinkedIn is a good place to start. And we have a great digital marketing team led by Caitlin Aronin who does a lot of great content, and puts out good stuff. So I think, you know, just finding Above the Fray, Above the Fray Design is our full name on LinkedIn is probably a great place to start. and message us from there.
0: Okay. And it's above the fray.io, correct? That's our website. Yeah. It's the website, Uh, which I'll also make sure to have on the show notes, but people don't always see the show notes. They're driving. So above the fray.io and I'll put all the other links in the show notes.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. And if people want to reach out to me, LinkedIn is great. Or my email is just Noah at above the fray.io. There you go. It's out in the wild now. Oh, it's been, it's been in the wild. You know, for our first year above the fray was a side, side business. Aaron and I both had day jobs. Uh, we didn't have a, have a website, but, but my cell phone number was our like company main line. Oh, God, and I crazy. still get in order to get them out. Yeah, it's, it's crazy.
0: I'm with you. I'm the same type of person that I don't, I'll put my email anywhere. I mean, I, I got filters for spam. Inside, but I got I, filters. I got delete yeah. buttons. <laughs> so, it's yeah. all good. All right. Yeah. Noah, thank you so much for the time. This was a ton of fun. We'll have to do it again. And I really appreciate the time.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. That's
0: it for another episode of Own Your Commerce. If what you've heard has helped you in any way, I'd love it if you'd leave us a review in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's a new podcast and reviews really help spread the word. And if you know someone you think that might benefit from this podcast, share it with a friend. If you'd like to learn more about Bold, visit boldcommerce.com. You can view all our past episodes. And if you have a story you'd like to tell, we'd love to have you on the show. You can apply to be a guest or suggest a guest on our website as well. That's all for now. And we'll see you next week.